This podcast episode is powered by Afropods, the world's number one podcasting platform for African stories. A very warm welcome to another edition of the Africa Climate Conversations, a weekly podcast bridging climate communication gaps in Africa. I'm your host, Sophie Mbogwa. The 26th UN Climate Change Meeting ended on Saturday last week. So I invited Kamar Jamwai back, an independent climate change consultant and advisor to the African Group of Negotiators on Climate Change. The conversation today looks into what Africa achieved at Glasgow and the way forward for the continent. Kamal, welcome back. How did Glasgow go? Well, Glasgow, uh, I can say that uh, it was a success COP mm-hmm. from, let's say, COVID situation challenges. Yeah as well as uh, the uh, climate change urgency uh, needs. Mm-hmm. It was a success because you need really to, to, to have all the means, the courage and the, uh, the strength to organize such a, a huge event in a country during this uh, COVID situation, even if most of the people are now vaccinated. Well, from the north part, more than the south part, of course, of the world. Now, it was and it is a success because it allowed to achieve and to get to a results that we uh, were waiting for for the last six years, in particular on the Paris Agreement rulebook. Now, the COP26 succeeded to get the completion of what we call the Paris Agreement rulebook that contains all the rules uh, and procedures for for the implementation uh, of the Paris Agreement, uh, in particular uh, uh, with regard to uh, to the NDCs, be it uh, anti or post uh, action and implementation of uh, our respective NDCs. Mm. However, the only thing that this process, not in particular in Glasgow, but before Paris until post Glasgow that is keeping quite on and there is no clear uh, information on or uh, what we can say even with the rule book we don't have uh, anything that clearly show the commitment the obligation the procedures the rules uh, how when uh, the uh, conditional parts of the NDCs will be funded and will be supported through finance, through technology transfer and capacity building. Once will certainly respond to me that we, the Glasgow conference and uh, before, there was decisions on, uh, on finance, decisions on capacity building, decisions on technology transfer. But these decisions or uh, the actions that were decided do not specifically address the uh, conditional part of the the NDCs, they address any kind of action, uh, even from from non-stakeholders, non-government actors and so on. And the NDCs are a commitment from governments, in particular developing countries, and uh, the commitment from governments uh, from developing countries is clear that they have unconditional parts that those respective developing countries Government will implement using their own budget. However, uh, the uh, additional conditional parts 
is not clear even if uh, there is announcement of a huge amount and uh, financial pledges but they will stay pledges mm. for example for africa what was positive is the decision on the uh, global goal on adaptation which is something uh, very important africa pushed hard and succeeded to get a decision on a two years uh, work program uh, uh, what they call glasgow sharm sheikh work program on the new goal the global goal on adaptation that will be uh, something very uh, important for all uh, developing countries and in particular for all african countries the other issue is to uh, launch the process for the determination of the new global goal on finance which is uh, something that uh, is very uh, important also uh, there were also other decisions that uh, we can also say that those decisions were quite positive on capacity building less on transfer on technology but we can be optimistic and say that something can uh, can uh, move on and of course uh, other uh, many other issues uh, mm-hmm. such as even mitigation and uh, uh, loss and damage and so on mm. and and let's expound a little bit on the global goal on adaptation that means that in terms of adaptation was recognized at at at, um, at glasgow and does that mean that uh, moving forward does it mean that adaptation because one of the things that africa has been pushing was 50% of the climate finance should actually go to adaptation what exactly uh, was agreed upon is uh, first on adaptation uh, an adaptation of course we have uh, the existing activities and actions with regard to the adaptation committee there is a reports of the adaptation committee that were analyzed and uh, welcomed by the conference of the parties there was also the nairobi work program uh, which is important and uh, something need also to continue on under this agenda item but the most important was also the article 7 of the paris agreement uh, with regard to the global goal on adaptation Uh, since the paris agreement was uh, adopted this issue was never uh, never considered in in the process uh, in glasgow and uh, through a push and the submission of an agenda item by the african group of climate negotiators the agf there was consideration and inclusion of this uh, issue of this matter with uh, on global goal on adaptation in uh, the CMA agenda the CMA is the conference of the parties of the Paris agreement and uh, what was achieved that uh, the, the outcome is first established a two year uh, Glasgow Sharmashif work program uh, on the global goal adaptation with three objectives the first objective is enable the full and sustained implementation of the global goal on adaptation the second objective is enhance understanding of the global goal including methodologies indicators and so on and the con- to contribute to review the, the overall progress uh, in 2023 uh, when the global stocktake w- uh, will will take place and uh, i think that uh, on on finance as you uh, mentioned it uh, this 50 50% between finance and uh, between adaptation and mitigation is something that is uh, now raised and used and even written in many places uh, all over the world in the different processes and uh, i'm sure that uh, 
the multilateral finance institutions will do their best to ensure balance in between the funding to be provided for adaptation and mitigation. Uh, the other issue is that uh, the developed countries during Glasgow COP announced that they are going to double uh, their uh, contributions to uh, climate finance. Uh, and uh, uh, this doubling of uh, the resources will be something uh, that will be uh, very welcomed for, for adaptation. Uh, the only matter or issue is that announcing that they double announcing that they contribute uh, first it's not something that can be uh, considered as predictable uh, climate finance for adaptation cannot be considered as something that is a stable source of funding for adaptation it doesn't mean that is something that it will be uh, provided on a continuous basis this is why african agn wanted wanted the share of proceeds on article 6.2 but unfortunately, it was not something that uh, was agreed uh, mm. during this COP. Mm. This is just to share with you some uh, some elements. Uh, even if you consider this COP as as positive COP, however, will uh, face in the future uh, something uh, some issues uh, when it will come to implementation because implementation is mainly linked to. Uh, uh, international cooperation and most of the time to uh, private investors, multinationals and uh, others. While we uh, would have preferred to have uh, what we call clear, determined uh, public sources for climate finance for adaptation, for example. Mm. Yeah, because then the essence actually is to unpack those particular pledges and ensure that a huge part of that is actually grants and not loans. And also in, in making sure that there is an implementation and that money is delivered, uh, not to go to the same promises that we've been going back and forth in terms for the last 12 years in terms of climate finance. Yeah. Well, uh, the issue is as the, the UNF2C process is not able to decide on a common definition of what is climate finance. Uh, it will be difficult to ensure uh, a transparent provision of climate finance for adaptation or mitigation because uh, it's up to each contributor or donor to decide uh, how it considers uh, the, the climate finance or the finance it's provided. Some may consider that uh, direct uh, that uh, overseas direct investments or direct funding uh, or other kind of funding, uh, they can consider them that uh, as climate finance. For example, they can organize for you a workshop, and this workshop is considered as climate finance. Yeah. While we, we consider as climate finance to fund projects for communities, for municipalities, for regions, for those that, that are in need of those projects in agriculture, in, in water, uh, in health, in forestry sectors and so on. Those are really uh, and, and need to be dedicated to clearly uh, uh, adaptation or mitigation. Even by the end of Glasgow Steel, the climate finance wasn't defined, right? Uh, you, you know, when you consider climate finance, you, there is a, a several interpretation and understanding of climate finance. It depends. Uh, when you, you use the word pledge, is something when you use the word contribution is another thing when you use the word 
committed or commitment is another uh, thing on climate finance. And uh, the other bunch of, of issues need to, to understand also, or to keep in mind, is uh, what are the channels or what is or what are the channels that climate finance uh, is flowing from the source to the recipient. Mm. And those channels can be bilateral or multilateral or, or others, also regional. Sometimes the source of funding provides a certain amount on, for example, and you mentioned it, grant source can provide providing a grant, uh, an amount on a grant basis using the financial instrument with grant. And then it channels it through uh, for example, a multilateral finance institution or uh, uh, any kind of financial uh, entity that that is supposed to uh, make available those uh, funds for 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 the, those that are uh, asking for. Mm. But uh, no one uh, tells you which financial instrument the uh, international or regional uh, financial institution will provide for the recipient country or the, the project the, or the activity. Uh, it can receive a, a grant and then the institution or some rules and procedures of the institution will oblige to provide this uh, same funding or part of it uh, through what uh, can be a, a concessional loan, a loan or something uh, of some uh, financial instrument else than the, the original. Mm. And uh, in the reporting and in transparency, uh, climate transparency process, this is not something that is being taken into consideration. Mm. Interesting. And when we're on finance, actually, one of the things that um, so developed parties said uh, they were not going to fulfill their 100 billion pledge, and uh, it's been pushed to 2025. Um, and part of the things that Africa was pushing was for, is it 500 billion or 600 billion for climate finance instead of their 100 billion? What's up in terms of the, the goal on finance? Uh, for me, 100 billion is not something that we need to discuss on because we are not in line with the, the, the decisions that were taken in Copenhagen and then in Cancun in 2010 and to, uh, 2009 and 2010. And what the decision said, in particular in Cancun, uh, or even the, the decision in Copenhagen, which was taken note of only, it says that 100 billion per year yeah. by 2020, which means, and what was decided, it was decided that there will be a fast start finance for mm. three years, 2010, 2011, and 2012, with 10 billion per year only which means the three years, 30 billion, and then from 2013, 2014, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, and 20, for eight years, it will be 100 billion per year. Mm -hmm. And now what we are asking for is to assess 100 billion by 2020. And uh, if you see uh, some reports saying that they are reaching 80 billion and things like that. Well, for me, I'm not sure that the, the, the developed countries, the committed countries, uh, are short of uh, of money. I'm not sure because they are spending billions or no, even trillions on on, on other issues. And uh, the pandemic situation, the COVID pandemic situation, show that uh, those countries can can provide more money than you can imagine, yeah. which is good. But they are not providing it for the climate urgency that uh, that our countries are facing. 
and uh, I understand that all this is strategy uh, under the climate process and the climate negotiations to move, and let me be frank with you, to move from the uh, uh, convention, UNFCCC commitments under Article 4, which have legally binding commitments to pro provide funding under the convention, and move this finance situation from there to the Paris Agreement. And the Paris Agreement, they are committed to mobilize, not to provide. They are mm -hmm. committed to mobilize, be it under Article 21C, the finance flows objective, for the new uh, global uh, goal on finance uh, that is identified under uh, Article 9. Mm. Well, all this for me uh, is something that needs uh, more work from, from our countries and to be sure that uh, the, the finance that, that are needed uh, will be there, in particular for the conditional part of the NPCs. Mm. Uh, well, finance issue will be for a long time uh, critical issue in the negotiations. Yes, sure. Um, the last time you were here, um, we talked about the special needs and circumstances for Africa. And it's one of the things that was it removed from the agenda at Glasgow? Well, uh, the, the, the special needs of Africa is what we lost more than anything else uh, in this COP. We've got promises since uh, Paris COP not only this one, that uh, this will, the uh, special needs and uh, circumstances of Africa will be considered under the Paris Agreement. But uh, uh, unfortunately, uh, it was not, and it will be difficult to get it, since uh, uh, who are opposing it are developing countries, not developed countries. Can you imagine that uh, some African LDCs can oppose special needs and circumstances for, for Africa? It's the reality. When you go to the negotiations, you hear things and you see things that you can't believe yeah. if you are from outside. Yeah. Um, and I invite you uh, and invite you yeah, to uh, watch again I listened to the excellent statement made by the Minister of Kenya mm -hmm. uh, during the closing plenary on, on, on these Africa special circumstances. And he made excellent and historic statement that uh, we all need to learn from and to follow for the next uh, uh, climate negotiations. The next COP is African COP. And do you think there probably will be a common understanding in terms of why Africa is pushing for uh, recognition in terms of uh, that was basically there in the Kyoto in terms of the special needs? Well, even in Egypt, uh, it will be very difficult. Uh, why? The, the issue is uh, that uh, our partners in the negotiations, uh, for example, including uh, uh, Eastern European countries, uh, Latin American, and in particular Latin American countries are, are, are strongly against any consideration of African species. The issue uh, will not be uh, considered from technical or scientific or human perspective. It will be just used as a negotiation uh, issue to to press and to put pressure on AGN and on Africans to be flexible on other issues, and uh, they know that this is the the most important issue for Africa, and uh, they will continue to to use 
to use it as a negotiation tactic from from many parts. What's the plan for Africa in terms of, do you plan on pushing it on, probably saying that this is the give and takes in terms of negotiations? Well, I'm not sure that there is yet any new plan for AGN uh, on that. The only thing is uh, to try to the, the maximum and the, to, to, to the best of the African negotiators uh, to get this issue uh, accepted as at least an the item. It's, it's already an agenda item uh, on the agenda, but uh, uh, it's not uh, negotiated. It's just being dealt with uh, just through the uh, what we call COP presidency consultation, informal consultations. That's it, and uh, this will not lead to any any outcome. This uh, this kind of process, it needs to be contact a group with uh, drafting on on a decision text, and we're working on, on formally on that issue. Otherwise, we will not get anywhere uh, on that. Mm. The other thing was loss and damage, basically. And one of the things that um, we noted was there was no facility or fund that was actually established in terms of loss and damage that can channel funds for loss and damage, basically. And we saw the USA, the EU, um, among the parties that were basically opposed to creating that particular fund for loss and damage. And it was one of the things that was also big for the African continent. Um, where do we move from here? Well, my, my brothers and sisters uh, in the the negotiations from Africa yeah. don't listen to me enough on that issue. Mm-hmm. That issue started in 2006 and seven, mm-hmm. and I remember even when uh, during COP12 in Nairobi yeah. and even before, we started uh, uh, talking about uh, climate debt and the compensation, climate compensation. Mm-hmm. This was the issue uh, w- 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 that was raised by Africa and others in the negotiations. Mm-hmm. And if you talk about climate debt and uh, climate compensation, when uh, you see the, the, the disastrous uh, consequences of climate change, floods and others, this is the, the issue that we really need to come back to and to, to use in this process, not less and damage. Because less and damage, when we started working on that in 2007, 6 and 8 and so on, the, 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 some parts of the world saw that it will be very uh, difficult for them, in particular for those that are historically uh, climate responsible. Then the negotiations moved from uh, climate debt and compensation to those new concepts which are less and damage. And less and damage, the auditors need to understand, then when it comes to climate debt and compensation, there must be funding and there must be a fund and there must be a support, financial support. But when it comes to loss and damage, it's a business issue, loss and damage. Loss and damage is something that is linked to insurances, insurances, be it national insurance or international insurances. Mm-hmm. And this is a business. This is a huge business. And this is what, what, what <laughs> the auditors and those that are interested need, need to really understand. And as far as it's a business issue and insurances will be involved, it will be difficult to have a, a, a loss and damage facility or fund under this process. Mm-hmm. That's it. It's as simple as as it is uh, as I'm trying to explain it. Mm-hmm. What what needs to be done? What what do we need to do? Because then again, it's very 
realistically developing countries africa included there's a lot of um debts basically especially when we talk about africa uh, african is dealing with debts from borrowing in terms of adapting to climate change basically and also impacts that are resulting look at uh, what's happening along the western indian ocean there's more cyclones for example when we look into the southern part of africa look at somali basically uh, cyclones and all these losses that are coming out of climate impacts under the negotiation what needs to be done to actually make sure that these communities these countries are compensated or maybe you know in terms of the african continent this particular losses that governments are incurring and all this money that is actually being channeled from development to rebuilding cities or rebuilding community areas and stuff what needs to be done well i think i think with the, with the current system and current organization and rules and things like that mm-hmm. nothing can be done honestly honestly nothing can be done they if they want something they need to go to through the the financial uh, the operating fun, uh, mechan- uh, operating entities of the financial mechanism of the convention which are the green climate fund the global environment facility the adaptation fund and uh, ldc fund but uh, those fund uh, will not be able to uh, immediately respond to any need to in particular to any urgency mm-hmm. and i think that what was proposed uh, during cop 26 to have this uh, the loss and damage facility finance facility it was to to try to respond to to those uh, immediate uh, needs and uh, urgent needs and uh, but as i told you as far as you consider these as loss and damage yeah. loss and damage is an insurance issue and it's a business issue and it cannot be dealt with in the uh, un uh, system now what need to be done and it's unfortunate to Uh, suggested again but the, my my view is the only way yeah is to go back to go back to climate debt and compensation a climate finance compensation for all the disastrous situation that uh, that uh, many uh, african countries are experiencing uh, through cyclones uh, floods fires and so on and this is the only thing that that can uh, solve the situation with expedited procedures with procedures that respond to the urgency it's not procedures that respond to a project cycle that can take 2 or 3 years <laughs> to get the first disbursement for 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 a, a climate action mm. and this is what we, we the reality will live in the only thing is really to uh, to go back to the fundamentals of the climate process that we are really losing and it will affect all of us yeah but then again loss and damage is already on the paris agreement do how do we go back well there is no agreement uh, that is uh, definitive and and completely fixed mm-hmm. it doesn't exist because we are humans and humans may do some mistakes and it's good to readjust or correct the, uh, our own mistakes yeah the paris agreement if it was inserted in the paris agreement it's something that also can be uh, updated amended or revised because what is the cost of one life compared to uh, amending a multilateral agreement it's amending a multilateral agreement is nothing uh, compared to losing one life on earth 
you advise is the African group of negotiators. Do you think this is something probably moving forward that the group could consider or probably how do we move forward from this? Because then again, it's important that African nations do not keep on getting deeper into debt because of adapting. And then as far as the mitigation goal is concerned, even if we get to you know the current NDCs, we're getting too close to three degrees Celsius that we know very well when it comes to Africa, that will be a lot of impact. And we've seen the Western Indian Ocean in particularly warming far much more than any other tropical ocean. You know, so that means more cyclones, that means less water in the southern part of the region. You know, we've seen different issues coming up in different parts of, of Africa, including North Africa, issues of water are becoming such a, a disaster because then again, as much as some areas will have more water then, but then again, especially the coastal region, that mean uh, more saline water and less drinking water. Now, within this particular international process, these particular issues of debts needs to be settled, or is it that they cannot be settled um, by the international process and can only be settled probably of a other multilateral process? Where do we move from here? Well, the, the, what you are saying are facts. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, the issue is that uh, there is uh, a difference between uh, a huge gap between uh, the issues and the concerns you're mentioning, which are facts and reality, and this is what really communities and people live mm-hmm. uh, daily, and uh, what is being negotiated from uh, business and political perspectives. Uh, If you watch again the final uh, plenary or before the final plenary, it starts, the starting of the final plenary, if you saw the the camera and it's now on the webcast uh, and you can just watch it again. And uh, the the camera was showing before the starting of the closing plenary, uh, the camera was showing those that are really deciding on climate uh, for this world. And Africa was not there. Africa is not consulted on the, the main big final issues uh, under uh, any of the, 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 the most important uh, issues that were uh, decided. Africa, uh, for example, on the final outcome, you saw that there was four or five main uh, uh, actors in this process that were discussing among each other, and this was uh, uh, showed by all media all over the world who are really decided and this is why uh, Africa needs to to uh, to think again uh, how to uh, to be uh, more involved and get involved in this process one of the the, the possibilities that that can strengthen uh, Africa uh, stand in the climate negotiations is that the African Union, become a party to the Convention and the Paris Agreement, as is uh, for the European Union. European Unions speak as a party or a group of parties to the Convention and the, the Paris Agreement. And we may need to consider that the African Union uh, can be uh, of a very important uh, and strong uh, support for all African nations, uh, if African Union become a party to uh, uh, to the, the Convention and the Paris Agreement, because then it doesn't make sense. We have our own negotiators negotiating on a process that at the end, African decisions are not taken into consideration. Well, you see, you see that it's the the president of the, the European Union that come, or vice president, or head. Uh, of the European Union that come and negotiate. Mm-hmm. 
that would be good if we can have the African Union because mm -hmm. the African Union will uh, will come and negotiate uh, considering the, the highest uh, political level in Africa. And uh, uh, then uh, the uh, responsibility for Africa will be stronger and uh, uh, higher uh, when it comes to, to climate concerns. And maybe then we can recover the Africa special circumstances and get more urgent uh, uh, support for, for all African countries. On Article 6, Africa lost in terms of the adaptation. But then again, we saw in terms of the clean development mechanism, the price carbon going soon, and also in terms of um, the carbon trading that in some areas that it led to some areas emitting more. The rules this particular time, how they make sure that it helps in terms of keeping emissions lower. After the adoption of the, 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 the and finalization of the rule book of Paris uh, Agreement rule book, and uh, uh, finalizing in particular the transparency uh, issues and procedures as well as the market uh, issues related to Article 6 of the Paris Agreement, we can say that there will be a smooth uh, transition from the CDM to Article 6.4 which is the market mechanism the, the Paris Agreement, but this cannot start working until uh, the uh, supervisory board will be uh, in place with members, with the, its rules and procedures and things like that. Mm. And I'm not sure that 6.4 can start before 2023-2024. It will not be before 2022. However, for 6.2 mm. as well as 6.8, Parties or group of parties uh, can start uh, implementing it from January 2022. So it means that they can even start working on on it from now uh, if they want, because the cooperative approaches which can be bilateral or multilateral uh, cooperation between countries, but in particular uh, with regard to uh, carbon market, not projects. Mm. They can start directly uh, working on, on that, uh, on Article 6.8, the non-market uh, uh, approaches, uh, carbon taxes and so on. Also, uh, uh, countries and parties can start working on, uh, on their regulations and uh, legislations and so on. Uh, uh, but on 6.4, it will take more time, maybe uh, that it's expected, maybe in one or two years that uh, 6.4 uh, can start being uh, implemented and from then we we uh, the, the the adaptation fund uh, will start receiving uh, some share of proceeds uh, from the the, the 6.4 project it means even from now to then there will not be a continuous source of funding for adaptation uh, even if we heard that uh, some imported developed countries already pledged contributions to the adaptation fund as they did also for the LDC fund. What's next from here? Well, me, I, I announced that uh, 12 November was the last day for me as advisor to the African group. Mm -hmm. I announced this for many reasons. Well, uh, I said that one of the main reasons is that uh, I'm not sure that we can continue in the negotiations when we can't negotiate. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, the issue of what next, well, let us be optimistic and positive. What next is that our countries in Africa need to really, uh, as far as they are now committed to the Paris Agreement, 
uh, need uh, really to uh, strengthen their uh, human and institutional capacities, in particular on uh, transparency issues, on mitigation MDCs, on Article 6, if they want, they, they have no obligation for Article 6, but they have obligation on transparency reporting. They have obligation on NDC update and adjustment. And by the way, uh, according to the Glasgow uh, Climate Pact, countries uh, must uh, update and submit uh, new uh, NDCs for those that didn't as soon as they can. Uh, our uh, African countries uh, will be good if they start preparing their uh, adaptation national communication. Uh, I think uh, it's due by next COP and uh, also uh, other activities. The decisions in Glasgow uh, need really to be uh, read and uh, uh, analyzed and understood well because uh, our countries uh, are having a new kind of commitments under this process and uh, also uh, have tasks uh, to at least get ready to inform the global stock take by 2023 but before that uh, to provide provide uh, as much elements for for adaptation and maybe uh, uh, for less and damage in sharm el uh, next year mm. just one final thing before i let you go africa has a huge reliance on the developed world in terms of even when you look in terms of the funding to attend these conferences we have the african group of negotiators that is negotiating for the african continent but then we have a whole group of many african countries that under the un systems are considered least developed countries there's a statement you say that the reason why you're living um advising the agn is because africa cannot keep on negotiating when it's not negotiating you talked about the africa union uh, negotiating politically you know like the way eu negotiates because of course. it's one of the things that you i know, I'm, I'm, when, when you have the final day or the final two days you you, you have you have the highest level possible from our partners and even with due respect to our ministers that some of our ministers were still there uh, and they did huge work and huge uh, efforts however uh, all the efforts from our ministers uh, need to be uh, supported and uh, strengthened by uh, highest level which is heads of states at 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 at, at an african union level i think and uh, this will show maybe uh, kind of balance in, in, in the negotiations uh, when it comes to, 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 to such situation. The African Union must at least uh, appoint uh, a high level climate change system wide for the African Union that can come and uh, uh, speak uh, at this stage uh, for, for Africa. Uh, for example, the ministers that were uh, present, Senegal, president of AMSER, Ministerial Conference of Environment, the Gabon uh, as African uh, group of negotiators, and uh, Egypt uh, as uh, the incoming uh, COP presidency. But all of those have a limited level when it comes to the uh, highest level as African Union. And also the situation is not uh, easy when you have... Uh, uh, from inside Africa, some some Africans that uh, that really uh, don't understand uh, that what we are negotiating uh, is we are negotiating for a physical uh, uh, land continent and one continent. 
we are not uh, negotiating uh, uh, climate change is will not impact alliances or groups of coordinators of negotiators as LDCs or states. It will impact the countries, the lands. It will can impact the people, and Africa is the most vulnerable and the most uh, that will be affected by 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 this situation. Mm. And this is why uh, it's something that is unacceptable to see that uh, LDCs, even non-African LDCs or non-African states be against Africa. This is something that is not acceptable. And the issue, you can't even oppose them when you are in the negotiations because you are African and understand the the, the needs and the, the weaknesses of, uh, of others, even if they are not African. And I hope this advice is supposed to be given through Amsterdam to the African Union, right? Well, better, better to the African Union because I think it's time now that the African Union takes the lead uh, and uh, uh, on, on that. Because for me, after more than 15 years experience in this process, uh, what we experienced uh, was good. We learned lessons, but I think that the most important will be that uh, Africa will be led by the African Union is much better. Mm, fantastic. Kamar, thank you so, so much. I sincerely appreciate your input and I sincerely appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Sophie, and uh, wish you all the best. Kamal Jamwai, independent climate change consultant and advisor to the African Group of Negotiators on Climate Change, talking to us about Africa's achievements at Glasgow and the way forward. Remember, COP27 is an African COP and Sham Ar Sheikh and Egypt will play host next year in November. And given that science shows as far as the carbon budget is concerned, Africa has a leeway to emit more emissions if rich nations reduce theirs. I will have a scientist next week on Tuesday taking us through those mathematics. Remember, you can get in touch with us using info at africaclimateconversations.com. Kindly share this podcast available on Spotify, Apple, Google, and every other podcast channel you can access your other podcast from. Kwaheri for now, I will see you next week on Tuesday. My name is Sophie Mbogwa. Inaindeshwa na Afriboards.